Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. The Lord has made known by His church the wisdom of God. He has made known by the church to all of the worldly powers. He has made known by the church the purpose He's worked through His Son. He has made known through the Spirit His plan from before the ages And through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God Manifold 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 The Lord has made known by His church the wisdom of God he has made known by the church to all of the worldly powers. He has made known by the church the purpose he's worked through his son. He has made known through the spirit his plan from before the ages. And through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God. You know, some people might look at the, the sermon title of this video, The Foolish Power of God, and, and they might think that's kind of an odd title. But one thing that uh, I always am fascinated with is whenever you come to, to start to tell somebody about the Bible, and especially if you, if you find somebody who didn't really grow up going to church and who doesn't really like know these stories from whenever they were a young child, and then you start telling them these stories whenever they're an adult it's it's kind of it's very interesting to hear how they what they think about these stories and what they might even say to you about these stories because many of the stories that we read about you know we're used to these things we're used to to God working these miraculous signs and doing all of these um, kind of strange things we're just used to hearing about those things that God has done but yet many times whenever people read it they're like that doesn't exactly make sense why did he do this instead of that or, or something like that but that's kind of one of the things and one of the ways that God works because it doesn't always make sense to us at first. Now, I think at some point or another, whenever we get a, an idea about the big picture of God, it does make sense to us. We recognize why God did what he did in, in the different places and why he chose to use some of the people that he used. Because, you know, there's, there's several people throughout the, the Bible, some of the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, some people like you know, Moses or even Abraham, you might look at those people and think, why did God choose that person compared to, you know, somebody else? Couldn't there have been somebody maybe a little bit uh, better fit than that person? Um, like with Abraham, if he's going to make a whole nation for somebody, why did he choose this kind of elderly couple, Abraham and Sarah, in order to uh, make a whole nation from them? See, that seems like foolishness at first, but that is the foolish 
power of God that we're looking at. Now, when we get to the page of the New Testament, this especially becomes true about uh, kind of the things regarding the, the gospel message. You know, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We're used to hearing this. It kind of makes sense to us. But for somebody who's just heard this for the very first time, sometimes it's kind of an odd story at first. And Paul recognized that. The early church recognized that. And in many ways, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a continuation of what we looked at this morning. We saw how Jesus, whenever he was preaching to people, he was kind of leveling the playing field in the sense of he was raising up those people who were low in the society and he was bringing down the people who were you know, high and mighty in their, their time. And his message is very similar to that of today, that the ways of God, the wisdom of God, um, just the kingdom of God, it's not like what we might think of at first. So let's take a look at some of these passages together. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. So, you know, this passage already opens up and, and starts by, by telling us about this foolishness, this foolish power of God. It's speaking specifically about the message of the cross. Whenever you proclaim the message of the cross to people, you have different reactions from some people. Many of them will just look at that and they might think, well, it's just foolishness. Def definitely the people who are perishing, the ones who are lost, who aren't really going to accept the gospel or aren't ready to accept the gospel yet. When they hear the message about the cross, yeah, it might sound like it is foolish. I mean, in many ways, why would, why would God send his son? Uh, in the first place, you know, why would why would he care to, to do that thing at the very beginning? And then why does it make sense for him to die on the cross? And then how can God die on the cross? And there's all these questions that many times people might look at that and think, well, that just sounds like it's foolish. And people who are lost, that might be how they respond. But then he says, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Because we see the full story. We see the more complete story about what's going on. We see that all the sacrifices throughout the Old Testament that they made, it was all pointing toward this ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of God's one and only son, we might say, or we might even say the sacrifice of God himself, that he gave up his life so that we can have life. Yes, God has destroyed the wisdom of the wise. He has uh, frustrated the intelligence of the intelligent. This is our God. This is the God that we read about in the Bible. But there's still more about this message, and Paul continues to, to tell the, uh, the church at Corinth uh, about this message that he is proclaiming, the same message that we proclaim today. In verses 20 through 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul goes on and he says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the, foolish, uh, for the, through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We see from this passage this 
this story that kind of helps us to make sense of, of all that we read about in the pages of the Bible. We see and we read about in verse 21 that God, thankfully, he works through this foolishness. You know, he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't think himself too high in order to work through this, this foolishness because, um, you know, and of course I say foolishness because I don't really think it's, it's foolish at all. But it just doesn't always make sense to our human wisdom. I love that final verse that the foolishness of God, it's wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God, stronger than human strength. God is so much higher, he's so much greater, he's so much better than us, but yet he kind of lowered himself and he, he did this that he was pleased through this foolishness to save people. And we can be, you know, quite literally eternally grateful to our God for doing these things. And yes, as you look at this message, it might seem like it doesn't always make sense at first. It might seem like it's not, uh, it's not the teaching of wisdom, but it most certainly is. It's the wisdom of God. Now, we might come to this story wanting something. In fact, even uh, the passage here talks about that Jews demand signs in verse 22. So that's something that the Jews held on to, is they wanted signs. They wanted some type of proof that God is really working um, in, in the midst of what they were seeing. And now the Greeks, they had a different uh, mindset to them. They were looking for wisdom. So the Greeks want wisdom, the Jews demand a sign, but what they get, what everybody gets, Jews and Greeks, all people alike, we all get in verse 23, he says, but we preach Christ crucified. That's still our message today. And that's a message that is just as powerful today and just as necessary today as it ever has been. This is what we preach. We don't need to be adding a whole lot of additional things to this message because this message already, this is the power. This is what it's all about. We see in verse uh, verse 23, he also goes on that, that Christ crucified, it can even be a stumbling block to the Jews. Why is that? Well, it can be kind of confusing to their whole way of thinking. And then to the Gentiles, they just look at that and they think, well, that's just foolish. But, verse 24, but to those of us who are called, you know, he's saying to Christians, we see that this message, whether we're Jews or whether we're Greeks, whatever nationality we come from, this uh, preaching about Christ crucified, it is Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what this message is about. And this message is enough just in and of itself. I know that there's this, uh, uh, there's this movie that I've kind of heard about. It's, it's supposed to be Kind of a little bit of a of a comedy uh, movie, but it's it's about um, kind of Christian life, and it's about this preacher who he's uh, he's like this this big um, preacher who's on television, and he's always excited about stuff and trying to do like uh, big shows and everything with with part of as part of his lessons. And really, what the whole movie is about is is this uh, this preacher who's just kind of taking it so far because he's not just sticking with what the message is about he is he is trying to see all these gimmicks and all these you know really flashy things and trying to get everybody's attention and you know sadly that's actually what we do see sometimes in people who are preachers that are on television we might see that they're always trying to do you know these fancy things to get people's attention whereas the attention really needs to be on christ crucified and this movie of course that's the whole point of it it's to get to the fact of that should be the point of the preaching is Christ and him crucified. It doesn't have to be all these, you know, neon signs and flashy lights and all, all those things. It doesn't need to be all those things. It needs to be centered about this message. This message is the power. 
and the wisdom of God. Now, I also recognize that, you know, and you might, you might even be thinking about some of these things, that um, I might use sermon illustrations whenever I, uh, I speak. I try always, whenever I use illustrations, I try to use things that do not take away from the message. Uh, you know, I, I hope that I never start using things that, you know, kind of look neat or, or do something and then they distract from the message. I always try to to combine that something to do with the message to kind of get us to, to remind us about these things. Uh, because I do think it's important for us on a daily basis to be reminded and to uh, for it to be on the forefront of our mind about what God has done for us and about how much he loves us and to what great lengths he has gone in order to save us. And how he has shown us his power, how he has shown us his wisdom, time and time again. We preach, and we always need to preach, Christ crucified. There's still a little bit more as well. Paul now turns to this church, and he wants them to be reminded of, as they became a Christian, do they remember where they have come from? And that's a good thing. You know, you might even want to think about this in your own life. You know, where have you come from whenever... Uh, you decided to follow Christ. Well, the Corinthian church, this is what he says to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were both uh, were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So now here in this passage, we see that he is reminding this church, you know, remember where you've come from. And remember also that, you know, many times the Christians, they weren't all that that, that great in and of themselves. I always am fascinated by, by Paul himself. Because as a Jewish person, Paul was very impressive. He had a very long list. I mean, he was, he was trained the right way. Um, he, he knew the ins and the outs of the Jewish uh, kind of law and the culture and everything of his day. And yet what God does for him is he says that he's going to send him to the Gentiles. So, I mean, I just, this is part of the wisdom of God, that Paul would have been the perfect person to go to the Jews, but God sends him to everybody else. That's because look at who God has chosen in verse 27, that God has chosen the foolish things to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things, the lowly things, despised things, the things that are not. He's done all these things. Why? Verse 29 tells us, so that no one may boast before him. See, this is a very good lesson for us to learn. One that we need to continue on and, and, and always keep in our mind. And that is that it's not so much about you and your power, uh, even your own speaking uh, abilities, but it is all about being able to boast in Christ. We see, you know, the, the entire point of this passage is all about being able to boast in God and him alone. Uh, not that I'm some great preacher or that, you know, you're uh, you know, some, some great uh, student of the Bible or, or anything like that. 
it's not so that we can boast about ourselves, but so that we can boast and speak and praise our God. And he says here in verse 31 something that uh, we're probably pretty familiar about Paul himself saying in, in numerous places. He says, he's actually quoting right here. He says, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And Paul was one who took uh, that passage to heart. Now that passage, he is quoting uh, from Jeremiah chapter 9. And uh, that is uh, what was read at the very beginning of this video. And, you know, you might remember there was more than just kind of about boasting the Lord. But there's a lot that comes into that. And it's very similar to this passage. And uh, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 9, verses uh, 23 and 24, that's specifically what he's talking about there. Um, but it's the way that Paul lived. He was not going to boast about anything except the Lord. And because of that humble type of preaching, we see that there was power in that preaching. There was power in the message that Paul was proclaiming. And that power comes from Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, let's also kind of go just a few verses into the next chapter, too. Because here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is going to talk about his own preaching right here. And this is something that kind of, uh, me, as a preacher, gives me uh, encouragement. Because, you know, sometimes, uh, I, you know, sometimes I know that maybe the, the sermon that I have preached is, uh, maybe it didn't go over that great for one reason or another. I mean, almost always it's, you know, some fault of mine and, and, and something that I had done. Uh, but yet here in this passage, it, it brings me back to what should be at the heart of this message. It's not always about me and how well I can, uh, you know, speak or how well I can present these messages. But it's about what is this message that I proclaim whenever I am preaching. And to anyone else who might be watching this video, it, it's not so much about how you're presenting it, but it is about what are you presenting? What are you mentioning? What are you proclaiming to others? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of, of, or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And as we look at this, we see it all coming together that Paul himself, this is what his focus was on. Verse 2, it was, he was resolved to know nothing while he was with him except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, what is our preaching dependent upon today? Well, for Paul, it was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our message mu must still be focusing on Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. This will always be enough. This always needs to be at the center of what uh, we preach, what we teach, what we live. is Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is a lesson we learned from Paul. Uh, e even some of the things that we hear from uh, kind of a historical perspective about Paul. We don't get any description in the Bible about what he looked like and how he was. Uh, but from uh, other sources, um, the, the pictures that we see about Paul is he wasn't necessarily anything all that special to look at. But what was special was this message, this message that he was proclaiming, that he was boldly proclaiming everywhere that he went about Jesus Christ and him crucified. So there might not be something all that great on the, on the outward uh, part of, of me or of you, but yet, what about the heart of our message? 
if we can be people who will focus around the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, uh, then I believe that we can find ourselves being pleasing in God's sight, being faithful to him, and being able to boldly proclaim this message just as Paul and so many of, from the early church did. Let's be known for Christians during our day of boldly proclaiming this message throughout the entire world. The gospel stands alone for all who will its glory hear. The victory of our Lord shall call the Shame